What's up, everybody? I'm Mike Posbon, and you are listening to part two of episode 17 of VGM Generations. With me, as always, is Aaron Balauchuk. Hello! And Jordan Belinsky. Sup? <laughs> and in this series of episodes, we are talking about puzzle games. And it is Jordan Belinsky's turn to go first. So take it away, Jordan Belinsky. Let's get puzzly. Okay, so... Uh, last time I talked about a super old game. Now I'm going to talk about something that's a little more recent. I'm going to talk about, I think the more I've been thinking about it, this might be one of my favorite games on the PS3. And this is a game that came out in 2011 on both the PS3 and the Xbox 360 developed and published by Atlas. I'm going to talk about Catherine. Hmm. I like how we can say a game that's six years old is is recent. Like it's a recent within the history of our grand video game <laughs> yeah, scheme. That's right. I, I still play. That was still a while ago, though. Yeah, it well, was. Yeah, I, I I play games on the ColecoVision sometimes. So for me, anything <laughs> yeah. from 2011 is new. Last really generation new. is absolutely still new. I think so. I I thought uh, I thought it was a Sony exclusive. I didn't know it came out on Microsoft. I don't know if I like. I don't know much about Xbox at all, but. It's listed as being on the 360. Okay. I know I played it on the PS3. So um, a very, uh, a very awesome game. So this very weird game, very weird game. Yeah. Well, it's by Atlas. So they've, you know, they've <laughs> yeah, made some, some interesting <laughs> stuff in the past. Um, so there's a really neat uh, story and gameplay blending element here. Like the whole entire, for one, it's a puzzle game. It's, it's uh, sort of bridged by this really cool anime uh, 2D art style that they've designed for the whole the whole game. So there's like actual anime cutscenes, and then the uh, the gameplay is um, like that cell shaded anime kind of look that blends the two together. So, yeah, it's a very so, cool looking game. Yeah, I, it, I never played it, but I saw lots of cutscenes and. Uh, you know, people at IGN were very excited about it. And that was the time where I was reading IGN a lot. So yeah, yeah. I remember them, you know, gushing over it and being like, this is one of the weirdest, coolest games that's come out in a long time. It's won a lot of awards too. Like it? it's, it's highly praised for when it came out. Yeah, yeah. I played the demo for it. I downloaded, I was really excited for this game. I actually played the demo and the demo didn't quite do enough to grab me. I kind of, it, and, it and, fell off my radar. And after that. I, I wonder what, like, maybe I'll talk a bit before I, before I ask, but I'm just curious what the demo had because uh, this is a game you have to dive into because it's a story. The story is what drives it. And yeah. if the demo doesn't go into that enough, it, there's not much to the game. I don't know if I would define enough, but it did have some of the story ones. Cause remember it actually starts you, you're like in this diner, you're yeah. talking to people, you sit down, you have a conversation, I think with your girlfriend, girlfriend or yeah. fiance, and then you're having a conversation with the other Catherine. Yeah. And, and that's then the whole it, point, right? You have a girlfriend yeah, exactly. and a fiance. <laughs> so it goes into the story enough for you to get the gist of what's happening. Yeah. And then there is a puzzle section. And yeah. that's really the whole demo is like, here's what the story stuff is like. Here's what the uh, game is like. So. Yeah. So for those that don't know, um, you play as a guy named Vincent, who's the everyman. And he's uh, usually found in the bar. And he he's like you said, he's got a girlfriend. His, her name is Catherine. Catherine with a K. And uh, one night he's at the bar alone and he meets another girl by the name of Catherine. Catherine with a C. And uh, he has a one night stand with her, cheats on his girlfriend. It's not cheating because they have the same name. <laughs> <laughs> it's a rule, right? Right? Yeah. It can. <laughs> I think they have to be spelt Let's the same hope way. Your wife never listens to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but the the storyline begins with uh, you cheating on your girlfriend, 
uh, you wake up in bed with her and uh, you have the whole moral dilemma. And then that's where that's where the story continues from um, dealing with the consequences of cheating on your girlfriend. And there's this whole dynamic in the game between chaos and order. So as you play through the game, there's this, like this this trivia section where it's like when confronted with a situation like this in your real life, is it better to A or is it better to B? And you decide as you play through the game and you're making these decisions and it sort of balances between sort of a good and evil or a chaos and order. And uh, these decisions actually impact the game because the story changes, especially towards the end where there's up to eight different endings based on the kind of person you are or the kind of person you decided to play as. And in it's the also game. an online game because depending on where you are, it actually will email your current girlfriend and let you know where you fall into that like yeah, yeah. You know, infidelity chart. <laughs> yeah, they, ask in order, yeah the, <laughs> they ask you to enter your email at the beginning, yeah. but they don't tell you what it's for. <laughs> um and and luckily I uh, you know gave a phony email so my my <laughs> wife wouldn't find out um, just in case this is all lies we're lying yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah you can still play yeah. Catherine <laughs> that part that part's a lie um, so every night when uh, Vincent goes home to bed he has these horrible nightmares because of what he did and uh, he the reoccurring nightmares he wakes up in this dream world where he's climbing towers and he's got these big giant like sheep horns or goat horns on his head and uh, everyone around him is also like this anthropomorphic sheep um, and all of these sheep that he's surrounded with turn out to be people from the real world who are also sucked into the same universal nightmare and they all have to climb this tower and in order to survive the nightmare, you have to get to the top of the tower. So every night you climb a series of towers and this is where the puzzle element of the game comes in because these towers are just giant blocks and you push and pull and slide and rotate them. You climb them, you go under them. Um, you, you set up like layouts, like think of, um, stacking blocks in a unique situation where you're trying to build steps to ascend the tower, you might hit a roadblock and you have to go back down and, and reset up a different angle somewhere else. And there's other sheep climbing the tower that are trying to survive. And sometimes they'll push you off or get in your way. And you're naked except for oh, your yeah, you're underwear. In, you're in your, well, cause it's, it, you're, you're, you're dreaming. You're sleeping. You're, right? <laughs> yeah. So you're running around in your underwear and the then, whole time. Don't you have like a pillow? So the pillows are like, they're sort of like weapons. They're, they're yeah. like lives. They're, there's, there's supposed to be like the lives you pick up a pillow, you get like an extra life. Okay. Um, but you can use a pillow, um, as sort of a weapon. Like if you pick up like a power up along the way yeah. and there's a sheep in your way, you can club him with a pillow and you'll yeah. fall off the tower. But then do you lose, lose a life? No, because oh, okay. they're a little bit different. It's more like the pillow is the symbol of your lives. I, I could be getting this wrong. I haven't played in about a year. Um, I, I believe as you pick up pillows, it counts as a life. Okay. But there's an attack button and you only get up to like two or three attacks or you can pick them up along the way. And what it is, is you just club a guy with a pillow and he falls <laughs> off the tower. This is like a weird Atlas symbolic version of like Pushmo. If anyone's played Pushmo. Right? I have. Yeah. And, yeah. It, and it, if it, you know it, what Pushmo is and you don't know what Catherine is, they're kind of the same idea of, of stacking and, and, and pushing and pulling and, pushing and, and, and yeah. changing your landscape so you can go up. And it might sound a little repetitive after a while, but it gets progressively harder. There's different block elements that come in. There's like blocks that start to crack under your feet, um, bomb blocks, ice blocks, all, all the typical things you'd expect. And uh, if you're not fast enough, the bottom of the tower is actually floating in space and like row by row, it starts to crumble and fall into the abyss. So if you're not climbing fast enough, the tower you know, will catch up to you and, and destroy you. And of course, if you fall off or hit a roadblock or you're stuck, you fall off and die. Um, yeah. Just so, like a horror movie where you die in the nightmare, you die in real life. This is like, it, a, that's exactly it. Nightmare yeah. on Elm Street kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. yeah. 
Freddy, yeah. Freddy's not anywhere that I've seen in the game, but it's the same idea. Um, so of course, if you get to the top of the tower, um, you survive the nightmare and you wake up and the story progresses. So the anime cutscenes will keep going and you'll find out what happens next. You might bump into one of the two Catherines again at the bar. I just got to ask, okay, yeah. so you're knocking people off the tower with pillows, but if you, and they're people for, that you meet in real life. And if you die in the dream, you die in real life. Good so question. technically is this guy murdering people? You could say yes, because here's the thing. Those people, if you know, if you can figure out who they are in the real life story part of the game and they die in the nightmare part. So for example, there might be a character that wears a very particular pair of sunglasses or a tie. So he'll be that anthropomorphic sheep running around, but he'll have that tie and he'll have that same voice. Yeah. You'll be like, I know this guy. I met him in the bar the other night. And if he dies in that nightmare, He's not at the bar the next night. Uh oh. And so, <laughs> so not only have you cheated, you're also creating murder on a regular basis. <laughs> and it's kind of cool because not uh, a great man, yeah. Vincent. No, 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 no. He's he's really not a hero. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, that's actually the whole point of the game he's, is that yeah. he's not a hero. You but don't he's, root for this guy. He's you, right? Like yeah. you're trying to survive, and you'll yeah. do what it takes. You make morally ambiguous choices. You have to, yeah. And that's what's cool is that you get to decide if you want to be a good person, a bad person, or somewhere in the middle. Um, so most of the, the game takes place in the bar or in the nightmares you have, uh, where the game takes place. But when you're in the bars, you can like order drinks. You can go around, talk to the other people in the bar. A lot of them are your friends. Um, there you can watch the news. They have the news going on over behind the bartender and it usually will have news updates on like so-and-so has disappeared or has been found dead lying in his bed. And it all ties back into the very similar story that you're going through. Um, and, and, uh, each night you wake up, it's like the next day, day one, day two, day three, and you have to make it a week. If you can survive a week, then you've climbed to the top of the tower and you've survived essentially. So, and then are you like free of the nightmare? You're free of the nightmare, but, uh, with, I, I don't know how, like, and you have game to choose, you have to it, choose a relationship. Is it revealed right? that Catherine with a C is a demon the whole time? Well, so that's what I want to ask is this <laughs> game's 2011. I think it's safe to kind of spoil some things. Why don't we do spoilers after the music? All right. Well, let's, uh, let's, let's go into the music. music. Yeah. Already yeah. thrown out all these theories. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's okay. They're so, all theories up to this point. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Composed by Shoji Megura, who, uh, who's been with Atlas for most of his career. He's done most of the Shin Megami Tensai and Persona games. Uh, this was one of his, uh, one of his more, I guess one of his more popular, uh, compositions. Um, he didn't really have a lot of creative freedom when making the, the soundtrack for this game because the director was very specific on what he wanted for music. So he gave him, uh, he gave him a couple cues to go off of. He wanted it to sound classic. He wanted it to sound adult oriented and erotic. So with <laughs> that in mind, that is, that, that, that is, that is a weird note. Can so please make it more erotic, yeah, more erotic. Exactly. Well, so with that, he, uh, when you're in the bar scenes, a lot of it is just smooth jazz music. When you're in the anime scenes where the story is taking place, um, it's a lot of string instruments. And when you're in the puzzle modes, when you're, when you're fighting through your nightmares and climbing these towers, it's all classical music. So you'll hear stuff like Beethoven and Bach, um, and Rossini, which is what I want to play. And do you have the song right there? Uh, I do. Can you read me the name? Because I uh, didn't write it down. It is Rossini <laughs> William Tell Overture. Yeah. Uh, in <laughs> brackets, there's... the storm and rance event. 
Fences? De- de- Bunchies? <laughs> I wrote a, I so so I wrote that out because the, uh, the, William, the William Tell Overture is actually five or six or seven different parts. It's mm-hmm. like a 12-minute song. This song in this lo- from, from the game is two of the two however of the parts. many parts. I got you. So we're going to listen to that from, uh, from Catherine. Let's go. I mean, one of the movements from the William Tell Overture, everybody knows. Yeah, it's the super yeah. famous one. Yeah. Which is? Which is that. That's not in this. We didn't hear that. It would be hilarious to be climbing the tower to that. That would just make it more like A lot of the other songs are very like, gotta go, gotta go. Like, you know, they just like pump up the heart rate and you feel the the adrenaline, like gotta climb, gotta run. Um, yeah, there's, there's a couple like different style levels. Like you're always climbing the towers. You're always moving the blocks, but, uh, there's actually a few boss levels in the game. Uh, one of them being, so it's, it's sort of like the, um, the nightmare takes a a physical form. So sometimes like, for example, you're, uh, in, in the real world, your girlfriend, Catherine is bugging you that she wants to get married and have a baby. So when you go into the nightmare world, there's a big giant creepy zombie baby that's climbing up the tower behind you, trying to claw at you and like pull you off the tower. And the whole time it's like, daddy, daddy, <laughs> nothing will dissuade you yeah. from parenthood. Oh, like well, this, yeah. this Vincent guy just has massive like commitment problems. Yeah, he's got some yeah. problems. <laughs> It's great if you're somebody who's in the same situation. I'm sure you could totally relate, but uh, I don't know. I, I played the game fairly straight and I got 
what I kind of expected for an ending. And I was like, that was fun. That was a good ending. But then uh, doing the research for the podcast, I realized, oh, there's actually seven other endings. And if you go to one extreme or the other, they get bad shit crazy. And next time I play it, I want to go all the way through chaos. Have you played it different ways or just once? It's a long game and I played it all the way through once. Whatever. It only takes a week. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, If you, so what I, what I saw was, so, so going back to your earlier uh, question, Aaron, um, turns out, I'm going to say this, uh, Oh wait, is the spoiler? spoiler Okay. So we're getting into spoilers. (laughs) If you don't want to hear spoilers, jump ahead. Okay. All right. So you're right. Catherine with a C, the title character Catherine, turns out she's a succubus. A succubus. Yeah. And uh, yeah. the bartender is, uh, he's not quite Satan. He's not Satan, but he's, <laughs> he, a, he's like, he's, he's like, like, he's like an even, well, no, because there is a, a different form of Satan. He's mm. like the uh, hell's messenger. He's kind of like the overwatcher of like everything going on. And he sort of like he's make the sure the bar, Sauron. the, the bar patrons sort of run into, to Catherine. Uh, and so a so lot this of this whole, this whole bar is a trap. I, uh, it could be, yeah. but the idea is that so um, Vincent just picked the wrong bar. That's yeah, all. He, that's, sure that was his, his only his friend. <laughs> but there's a lot of people that run into Catherine. According to the story, you never oh, okay. see it, but it's revealed towards the end. So if you go by pure chaos and uh, every decision that you make throughout the game is based on um, giving into cheating, um, not following order, sort of like pure anarchy sort of mentality. Yeah. Then the ending that you get, this is not the one that I got, but I kind of wish I'd play this way. He finds all this out at the end and he survives all the nightmares and Vincent decides that he wants to still be with Catherine with a C, the evil one, mm-hmm. and leave behind his girlfriend. And finds out that the only way that could be possible is if he goes with her to hell and that the only reason she was with him is because it's her job. So mm-hmm. she doesn't actually love him, no. but he convinces her to love him and give him a shot. <laughs> she agrees. They go to hell together and he becomes the div- the like sort of like the new ruler of hell. So there's this cutscene where he becomes the devil. He, be- well, so here's the thing. He, he's, <laughs> they show her and like two or three other girls, like, all over him mm-hmm. and they're all kind of naked and like covered in horns and wings. So they're all like demons at this point. He's got like these demonic eyes and they're all on fire and the camera pulls back to reveal her father who they're all on top of. He's kind of like on all fours, <laughs> like kind of become a slave to Vincent. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that is a bonkers ending. Super, super crazy. So that's like they reveal. This game gets dark. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> In a hilarious way though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, like it's very much got that weird, bizarre Japanese humor. But I mean, I spoiled one ending. There's there's seven other endings in the game you can get. And uh, so if you go all good, then logic would follow that you end up with Catherine the other Catherine, your girlfriend and and you learn your lesson and 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 happy family. Everything she wants probably comes true. She wants a family and kids and a wedding and all that. So, you know, the other directions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I want the you know, middle the of the road ending direction. where he ends up with nobody because that's what he deserves, and then it's just kind of like that's probably one of the yeah, that's well, yeah. I think that's yeah. the one that I got because I was trying to answer like how would I 50, answer 50? answer yeah. as a human being like yeah. if I was Vincent and I got somewhere in the middle and my ending was pretty middle of the road. Mm-hmm. So I, I have a question for you, which you may not know the answer to, but um, in some games I've played like this, the one I'm thinking of is oh man, what was that game? On it's not Uncharted. 
was <laughs> you'd remember it if yeah, it was uncharted. It was, yeah, it was the one that you had. Uh, I've got the guy on my shelf. It's you have powers. You you have like electrical powers. Like there's an explosion. Oh, the city's destroyed. this like uh, um, the, the, the infamous, not infamous, but the other one. No, it was infamous. Was it infamous? Yeah, I think it was. Yeah. yeah, infamous. So in that whole game, you can play, and there's all different choices, and you know you're you're kind of swaying from good to bad. But then there's one choice. Like there's one there's one part of the game where it's like this is the real swing choice and it's like if you make this even if you've gone bad the rest of the way if you go good you won't be like fully good but it will swing you past halfway kind of thing is there a choice like that in this game I didn't feel like there was because there were so many different endings I almost because um I almost feel like you're getting a percentage each time you pick um chaos or order that by the time you get to the end of the game it gives you a percentage and it slots you into which ending you probably should have got okay this is like it's more like dark forces to jedi knight where you can be like light side or dark side yeah i was gonna say choose to kill your master or something like that i was gonna say mass effect same thing you can you know paragon or what was the other one renegade renegade yeah so cool uh just real quick the awards that this game won because it's quite impressive if anyone's on the fence about playing this if you have a ps3 and you like puzzle games it's a must buy so uh Team Xbox gave it uh, biggest surprise of the year. GameSpot gave it uh, game of the year nominee for best puzzle game, best story, best character, best voice acting, best original IP, best ending, and best puzzles. And then IGN actually, uh, it won the award from IGN for best PS3 story. And then they eventually gave it the best story overall for the PS3 library. You know, this I would not be surprised if we see... Not not a sequel, but see this game come back, a remastered edition, I really or hope something so. like that. It never yeah, hit a digital, PC. No, so strangely but, enough, but I can absolutely see this one beca- like getting a remaster on the PS4 or something like yeah, that. Yeah, so. like uh, it was always on my radar. I think I saw the demo as well, and that's where I first played it. And mm. I wasn't really blown away by the demo either. I asked you about the demo because I don't remember it, mm. um, but I wasn't blown away either. And then I think I just found it on sale, bought it, yeah, and it became one of my favorites on the whole library. I think well, I played this. Sorry, I think I played the demo too. And again, same same yeah. as you, I wasn't blown away well, and then didn't buy it. I was anticipating it. Everyone was talking about it. It obviously people loved it and won a lot of awards. So it was one that I had been following for a while. But yeah, yeah it just fell by the wayside. I think it's that story that really gets you in there. Uh, and I don't think you get that from the demo. I yeah, think it's, it's too much of a, it's not enough of a tease. And that's, uh, you're probably absolutely right. Is I probably would have loved it for the story and you only get a little bit of that in the demo because I actually, from playing the puzzle elements, I didn't really like the puzzle. And I'm like, yeah. so this is the, like, this is the mechanic on which all the puzzles in the entire game are based. Yeah. And I'm like, no, I don't see it. So. And and I felt that way too. Yeah. But then it gets so hard that everything you're doing just doesn't work. And that's where the game gets interesting, where yeah. you have to think outside the box and create these new, these new patterns and stuff. Mm-hmm. They kind of teach you that along the way. So if you're, you know, unsure of if you can make it through the game or not, you learn tricks along the way. Mm-hmm. So. Now, after talking about it, I do want to play it now. <laughs> yeah, I have to highly recommend the game. Yeah. All right. Aaron, what do you got for well, us? I, I just before I jump oh, in, sorry. I, I just actually want to say just because you were mentioning about a game where, you know, the puzzle mechanic may not grab you, but then they start twisting around doing it in different ways. And I know I talked about this in the podcast, but I really wanted to work into our puzzle series. I wanted to talk about The Witness. Mm-hmm. Well, you did last week. I did. Yeah. I did at one point. Yeah. Talk about The Witness just on the like, what am I playing now? But I can't really talk about it in the context of music. Because there isn't really any music in the game. And I kind of wanted to, I was trying to see if I could work it in, but the, the game is all atmosphere. There's no music to speak of. So yeah. I threw that whole idea away. So I'm not talking about that. But, but you I would just, recommend the game? 
<laughs> Are, is that what you're saying? Like you would I'm, recommend I'm it to that, anyone that's listening? Yeah, because I, I know I know a lot of people looked at it and they looked at the way the puzzle mechanic works yeah. and thinks, uh, I don't know, it's not interesting enough. I would recommend the game because yeah. the, the way the puzzles are presented and the way they change and shift and the way you have to sort of adapt to how they work over the course of the game is really good and really clever. And I wow. would, if you like puzzle games and logic games, absolutely would recommend The Witness for that. I see, cool. I see yeah. it go on sale a lot on Steam. Yeah. So it's out if, there. If, yeah, if you enjoy... And you, if you enjoy like solving puzzles that make you feel like you've really accomplished something, it's a good one. Cause a lot of times it's like you, you finish a puzzle and think, yeah, I'm pretty smart. Yeah. <laughs> no, well, that's a, that's exactly what I heard from the guys at IGN yeah. when they were talking about, it, they're like, this game makes you feel like a genius. <laughs> <laughs> so that's cool. So, but the game I'm talking about is I had, I had trouble because I actually wanted to talk about two different games, two of my favorite, like sort of puzzly series. And then I realized and remembered that I didn't have to because both Professor Layton and Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney appeared in one game together. So, so you're talking about two games. I'm talking about two games at once. I'm totally cheating. I'm cheating because <laughs> I can talk not just about both games, but I can talk about music from both games because the composers on the uh, Professor Layton versus Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney, that's the whole title there, um, did a great job of taking all the music from across the series, rearranging it, and even blending it together in places. Very so, cool. So yes, I am talking about Professor Layton versus Phoenix Wright. And this was a game on the 3DS that originally came out in 2012 in Japan. And when it was announced, I'm like, I was already a fan of both those series. And I really wanted to see this game. And I was worried that it would never actually see a North American release. But two years later, it eventually did get a release over here. And it, I know it was a big debate for them because they didn't know how well it would catch on. Like these series are big in Japan, but... I'm not sure if they were thought they were quite big enough to to l totally localize this game. So, have they gotten bigger in North America since? They're they've always been they're think, very niche games. Yeah, I think they've always had like a uh, like a core you know yes. following yeah. that, of people who love them. Like yeah. uh, Steph is a huge fan of uh, Phoenix Wright. Yeah. Uh, the Ace Attorney games, like she just like every time she sees like a, you always see great cosplays of it where mm -hmm. people have the signs. Yeah. Objection. Objection. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, she loves it. She always yeah. loves it. Oh, so yeah. I think it, it has this like niche following of people, and I think it's people who like fall into almost uh, for at least for Phoenix Wright. It's like people who like anime and manga and stuff like that because it's very like well drawn game. Yes. So and 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 that's the thing about Phoenix Wright is as far as being a game, it's. Uh, it's story-driven. It's all story-driven. There's not much of a game there. Like, there's not... In the earliest incarnations, like the original game, Phoenix Wright, Ace Attorney, there was no... There wasn't really much in the way of animation. Everything was almost just, like, stills, and it's all, like, courtroom battles where you just interrogate people and try and find yeah. holes in find their, evidence in their stories. Yep. That's all that I see when I when I look into the game is just those stills where it's, like, a, a still of a character and then text. That's, and that's the game. But that's never drawn me into <laughs> yeah. the game. So what, yeah. where, where does the puzzle element come in for this? Well, that's the thing is there's two stages to a Phoenix Wright game, and I'll just talk about both games separately kind of to say what they are before we get into the, uh, the combo game here. But Phoenix Wright is, is, there's two sort of stages. One is where you're outside of the courtroom. You travel to locations, you interview witnesses, and you gather evidence. So you kind of get to look around an environment a little bit and find clues in the environment that then get entered into your 
into your evidence. So when you get to the courtroom stuff, you can, you know, pull out some evidence that contradicts a statement that somebody on the stand okay. is saying. So it kind of turns saying, into like a top-down perspective game? No, or is because it, you don't walk around. It's basically you go... It still just... It's still still. Wow. It's all still backgrounds. <laughs> wow, okay. Now, that's not to say that... Like, like a point and click? Yes. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, very much like a point and click. Cool. And they have sort of evolved it over the course of the series. You get a little more where you can like look around the scenes a little a little more freely and when you're like looking at evidence and they have like stuff on the 3ds versions where you can like take an object and actually like look around it but okay. it's all but that's all very limited stuff like at its core it's still essentially some point and click stuff and then some uh, text heavy courtroom battles yeah, yeah. that's it okay so i don't know if that game's for you but it's it's super charming. Like the characters are awesome and you, you, you come for the characters. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, that's interesting. I didn't know. Like that's what I got the impression of only cause I hadn't seen anything else. So. Yeah. Yeah. Now professor Layton on the other hand, and I don't know if either of you have played. Well, I Layton played it when you uh, lent it to me. I played yeah. about halfway through the first game. So yeah. So Layton, the first game in the series was called uh, professor Layton, the curious village. And uh, the idea behind this is that you've got this guy, Professor Layton, he's a professor of archaeology, and he loves puzzles. Puzzles are his world. And he's got this little, like, young Helper. boy sidekick. Yeah. yeah, Luke. And as I was saying before the podcast, nobody likes Luke. <laughs> like his protege or his something. His little protege, yeah. yeah. And if you like Luke and you want to chime in on, on Twitter, let us know or something like that. Because as, as, as far as I know, everybody hates Luke. <laughs> I don't know Luke, but I already hate him. <laughs> yeah, he's the worst. His voice is the worst. He's yeah, his voice annoying. is really annoying. But Professor Layton is like, he's like this dapper and classy gentleman. He's, kinda, he's kind of like a Sherlock Holmes character. Yes, almost. absolutely. And, and the combination of like him and his charm and like even his voice make him, he's, he's the kind of character. He's like, yeah, I'd be, I want to, I want to be that guy. Yeah. He's like a brilliant genius scientist who solves puzzles and very, charms everybody. He's a very quirky man though. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and uh, so the idea is that everywhere you go in the Professor Layton world is the same. It's almost again, point and click. You sort of go from scene to scene and there's characters in the scenes and you talk to them and then they present you with puzzles. So yeah. then you have to solve riddles, mazes, logic puzzles, spatial puzzles, like all sorts of every manner of like puzzle. So uh, when you talk about puzzle games, this game is just, crammed with and it's like a puzzle to find the puzzle sometimes like yes. it's a okay. very yeah. it's a very much it's like the most pure puzzle game yes, of absolutely. all time it's yeah. super story driven and as you go through these environments you find the characters to give you puzzles sometimes elements in the environments will give you will present puzzles and you just find it almost just by like clicking on the environment on things that are interesting and then also in the environments you'll find uh hint coins also hidden around too so if you're having trouble on puzzles you can spend these hint coins that you collect and then uh, get hints. But I'm guessing you never did that. I, I collected every single coin. And never spent and one. And never spent a single <laughs> one. Absolutely. And if you find every puzzle and collect every hint coin, your uh, save game actually gets a little uh, gold Professor Layton icon next to it after your save game. And I'm very, very proud of my gold Layton icon. I definitely had to use some of the hint coins <laughs> yeah. like the, right away when I was playing because I was like, I have no idea what to do here. Yeah. I'd be like I'd be like on a puzzle for days and I'd be oh, like, yeah. I would rather die than spend one of my <laughs> Man, hint they're, coins. They're hard though. Yeah. Like some of those puzzles are really challenging. They are. And there were ones that I like had to like stop, think about, yeah, come back later. Down for like yeah, a that kind days. of stuff. Yeah, for sure. But, uh, and, but despite being a big fan of the series is that uh, the creators of the series is like for both series, and this is kind of interesting, that they really only conceived them as trilogies originally, even though there's more than three games in each series. Like Layton was conceived originally as a, as a trilogy. And then after that, it kind of gets into more like prequel kind of stuff. 
And then after the first three games of the Phoenix Wright series, it starts to get into like spinoff stuff like Apollo Justice and all this kind of things before getting back to the core series a little bit. He was just like a different uh, lawyer, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I remember hearing well, about at Apollo some point, Justice. Phoenix, and, there, and like Phoenix shows up and he's all like disheveled. Well, that's the thing is Phoenix, <laughs> Phoenix kind of goes like missing at one oh, point okay. and like it's and, and then Apollo Justice is kind of like picking up the torch and what happened to Phoenix. And yes, he's I, I honestly because I never played those games. I only played the first two Phoenix Wright games. I never even played the third one. And I played the first three Leighton games. Okay. And then, and the, and that's, it's weird. Cause again, I'm a big self-professed fan, but I haven't played all of the spinoff stuff. And, uh, but I did play this game, this game, which is professor Leighton versus Phoenix, Wright, Cause I had to, it, it's just absolutely awesome. So it's described as, and it's because it's such a mashup of both Leighton and Phoenix, Wright. It's a visual novel adventure puzzle game. So that's a lot of, genre things a lot of descriptions together together. (laughs) and uh this game was also the first time in the series that the professor late no the phoenix Wright crew had actual voiced dialogue so everyone was fully voiced in it as well that's cool were people like up in arms about the voices though no because well they like them but a lot of the voices and this is especially true for the japanese version is that the voices they got for the phoenix Wright guys were actually the ones who appeared in the live action movie Oh, so, so they had previously well. appeared yeah. as the characters, just never in the games. But it was smart I of them to do that. I didn't even know there was a movie. Keep that no. consistent. A live action movie. Oh, my God. There is a live action movie. <laughs> and, I bet uh, it's hilarious. And I think it's getting, I don't know if it's still getting localization for here. I'll, just, I'll watch it. Yeah. You know, subtitles. <laughs> yeah. But like these characters are very, very big in Japan. Okay. How, did, how did the crossover happen? Because they're not developed by the same company, right? No. Um, F- Professor Layton is developed by Level 5. And Phoenix Wright is developed by Capcom. And it was, it was he, the interesting trivia about this is, is that uh, Professor Layton only exists because of Phoenix Wright, the director. And I'm going to, I've got his name written down here somewhere. Um, Akihiro Hino, who is the series director of the Layton series, said that the uh, character of Layton was inspired by Phoenix Wright of the Ace Attorney series. What he, and he was a big fan. So he, saw that character and he wanted to improve over what he saw as bad points in Phoenix character. So that's what Professor Layton is. He's basically a perfected version of Phoenix Wright. Uh, Interesting. (laughs) And he he was such a fan of the series that he actually pursued this specifically. Like he went to them, to to Capcom and said like, we should do this. This should happen. And expecting there to be a lot of resistance. And there wasn't. Like they were were all for it. And it was a really good collaboration because it wasn't like one of those things where one studio will like just lend their property to another studio. Yeah. This was both teams working together to create this game. That's cool. That's really cool. Yeah. And also even the uh, compositions, like the composers on this uh, soundtrack are uh, Tomohiro Nishiura and Yasumasa Kitagawa. And uh, good pronunciation. Yeah, very nice. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, though Nishiura is a, is the longtime composer for the Layton series, composed all of the games. Um, Kitagawa is actually new to the Attorney series. But what they did to sort of warm up for this is they actually took songs from their respective series and they totally remastered them and rearranged them for this. And if you're a fan of, of the soundtracks from any of those series, listen to the soundtrack because it's got just the most beautiful versions of all the songs that you love from all of those games. It's That's really, really well done. Really cool, yeah. It's like and, Smash Bros. where you get like all the like new, of, new arrangements yeah. of the old classic <laughs> tunes and it's just awesome. Yeah, and uh, the, the funny thing about these two games when they're actually developing them is that they have such, they have different art styles. Like you talked about Phoenix, yeah, right? Yeah, very different. And have being like a very manga-ish. Yep. 
but the Layton series is much more simplified, cartoony. Yeah, even. more, much more Western for sure. So yeah, absolutely. And they struggled with trying to put these two elements into a single game. Exactly. Like, they yeah. couldn't just take them as is and put them together. So yeah. they kind of like massaged them both to almost a middle ground. Well, it's like we talked about that one fighting game. Well, Marvel. the one that popped in my head was, yeah, something from uh, the Capcom versus SNK series. That's what you're, yeah, yeah you yeah. mentioned that on the podcast. Two before. totally different art styles that had to find a middle ground. Yeah. 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 And even though they're still kind of weird, it's like you look at Professor Layton and he doesn't have any pupils. It's just like black dots for eyes. Yeah. So they they still have their distinct looks, but they, they work together in this game. Everything looks really good. And the whole game is done in a, uh, in 3D instead of sprites, like in uh, previous games, in the original Layton games, the original Phoenix Wright games, all just images and sprite work, mm -hmm. right? So this one actually had full 3D characters. It was on the 3DS, so you could turn on the 3D slider and watch them in 3D. And with so a fully voiced dialogue, it was awesome. But essentially, was it not just 3D pictures, though? <laughs> <laughs> no, because they were fully animated in this version. In this version. Okay, Though, that's cool. When you Then that's just for, like, cutscenes and stuff yeah. like that. When you're still walking around the environment, you're still moving from, like, image to image. It yeah. still functions exactly the same way. And this game also does both things, is that you explore the environment, you find puzzles, and then there's courtroom battles. And I'll just give a very brief outline of the story of this in the sense that, uh, so this woman shows up in modern-day London some weird sort of magical stuff kind of happens and Phoenix Wright and his assistant, um, Maya Fay and Luke Triton, who is the assistant to Professor Layton and Layton himself gets sucked into this other world, this like fantasy world of magic and like there's knights and stuff like that. So they're, they're in the, they basically go into this world where witches are being persecuted. So while Layton has to explore the mystery and solve what's going on, Phoenix has to like, defend these witches so they don't get burned at the stake, essentially. So, oh, wow. <laughs> crazy. So, what a crazy story. It's, it's super crazy. And Man, it, this, this game is so weird. It's like, it's such a crazy mashup. Yeah. And then on top of that, they leveled like an insane story. And yeah. then they get the voice actors from the live action version. It's just nuts. I won't say it, but if you play this game, and I recommend any fan of those series to play this game, yeah. um, the ending is like super crazy. It like, it like blows your mind. It, it goes to this place where it's like, okay, all right, I... Didn't really see that coming. This okay. is really, really, really In a good really way bizarre. or in a bad way? In a good way. Okay. I, I really enjoyed the game overall. It's one of my favorites. I guess you could say one of my favorites in both series. Cool. And uh, so <laughs> enough about the games. Um, let's talk about the... Oh, what? No, I'll save that for later. But let's... Uh, I'll actually set up the music itself here. So this is, again, I cheated. I did the ending theme. Okay. Which I, I, a lot of times I'll do like the credits because, you know, it's the best stuff. It's always great game. music. Yeah, it is. And I, I picked this one because it is a medley of songs from both series and, uh, trying to fit in as much as you can, fit in as much as you can. <laughs> and I was listening to it last night and I wanted to see if I could recognize all of the songs because yeah. they go from one to the, to the next. So it starts off with, with, uh, a song from right. It's objection. So one of the courtroom songs, then it goes into the main professor Layton theme. Then it goes into the latent puzzle theme for when you're solving puzzles. And then it goes into this awesome mashup where it does both objection and the latent theme at the same time, where wow. it's like weaving them together a That's little bit. Awesome. And then it goes into a right song called questioning for, for again, from the courtrooms when you're actually questioning people. Then it does this little transition before going to the awesome uh, turnabout sisters theme from right. So it managed to jam a lot of themes into there from yeah, both sure. series and I love it. There's, the whole soundtrack was actually done by uh, the Leighton Grand Caravan Orchestra. So it's actually fully orchestrated music as well. 
Very cool. And right. th- so without further ado, this is the ending theme from Professor Layton versus Phoenix Wright.
rate game I've ever played was, uh, I think it was Marvel vs. Capcom 3. <laughs> I think he was in there. <laughs> that counts. Well, you know, Phoenix Was he Wright, really? I think so. Well, Phoenix Wright is I a big character for Capcom. Yeah, oh yeah. So I'm, I'm pretty sure he's in the game. If I'm wrong, uh, I, I, I don't pick him. That's why I don't he know. He is absolutely in one of the Marvel vs. Yeah. Capcoms. I know that for sure. Like, okay. He's in Probably there. in 3 then. Well, yeah. it'd have to be 3 because like he wasn't created when 2 came out, was he? Well, he definitely wasn't in 2. I know that. Yeah. Well, I mean, Phoenix Wright is not is not a super new character in the grand scheme of things because the original Phoenix Wright game came out on the Game Boy Advance. It was only released in North America on the DS. Oh, okay. But the original game oh, okay. is, a, is a Game Boy Advance game. Yeah, because I'm thinking of it as a pure DS series. Yeah, but it wasn't. Like, it was... And, and because it's so simple, too, it now appears on lots of different platforms. Like, you can get it on a mobile phone and everything. Can you? Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. And is this, there any... This is one of those games that is actually okay to move to mobile because yes. there's no real controls it's yes. just like you say it's just flat absolutely it totally works but i don't want capcom to ignore or forget about phoenix right he's uh he's a great character and it's a great series so. well i was going to ask i guess you don't know if there's any plans to continue this series the the crossover series no i'm sure okay. this was an absolute one-off i don't ex ever expect to see a sequel to this mm. but you were also asking about like the moving around and stuff like that yeah I, and the fact that it was all very static in Phoenix Wright. Now, there is a game in the series that I played called, um, that's a spinoff. It's called um, Miles Edgeworth. It's called Ace Attorney Investigations, Miles Edgeworth, Perfect Prosecutor. And it actually stars your Phoenix Wright's rival. So the uh, Phoenix Wright is like the defending lawyer, the defense lawyer. And there's a prosecuting lawyer who's like this top of his game, condescending, like yeah. too cool kind of guy named the Miles classic, Edgeworth. The classic jerk lawyer character. Yeah, and he's like jerk, but a lawyer. Everyone like respects this guy. He's okay. super smart. He's too good for his own good, essentially. But he got his own spinoff series where him and uh, the cop from the series, this guy named Dick Gumshoe, who's this like <laughs> super dopey, <laughs> super dopey name. cop. So it's these two working together. And I love these two characters, both of them separately, but put them together into a game where they actually go around and, and solve crimes again between them was a great idea. And in this game, you actually do have full sprites of the characters and you actually do walk around environments. Okay. So it's a little more interactive than your standard Ace Attorney series. And that's another one that I really, really loved and would recommend. So. And you're right. Uh, Phoenix was in MVC three. Okay, <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah. I just looked it up just to be sure. And uh, I wanted to also mention one thing that this reminded me of, and I was talking with you, Jordan, about yeah, it. I was hoping you were going to bring this up. Yeah, and, and it's funny because I hadn't really thought about it in a while, but, uh, and I did some research. I tried to find information on it, and I could not find anything about it. No pictures, no mention, not even like the company that put it together. But it was, uh, after my days as a Nintendo promotion agent, I, uh, I was at just the Home and Garden Show, local Home and Garden Show with my wife, and last place I'd expect to see this, but there was a big booth set up in the convention hall and it was Professor Layton Tea House. So it take up, took up this huge space, more than one like quadrant of one of, of this convention hall. Really? And it was all set up like a tea house. There was like hanging plants. It and said there was Professor like, Layton. And it was, it was an official. Official thing. Yeah. And there was like a hanging sign and, and it, you walk in and it's all like beast, nice bistro tables. There's a little bar and there's like people in waiter uniforms, little bow ties, that kind of thing. And you sit down at a table and a waiter brings you a menu. And the menu has two pages. Uh, one page has three different types of tea that you can choose from. And the other page has three different puzzles that you could choose from. And they come to you and they deliver you your tea, hot tea, and they deliver you a 3DS set to one of these puzzles. 
That's the coolest this is thing fantastic. ever. <laughs> That's one of the best game promotions it, ever. This was one of the best game promotions ever. And it was so out of the blue because it was at the Home, at the and, home Garden and Garden Show. show. That's which is so the, weird. The dumbest place for that sort of thing to be. And it, yeah, it should have been it was at there. the expo, right? Yeah. And because it was there, it wasn't busy. Like me and my wife would yeah. just walk right in and do this thing. And I was so impressed with the overall quality of this promotion. It must have been a Nintendo at least sponsored thing. Oh, it was. It was yeah. absolutely Nintendo sponsored. Yeah. But it was funny because... What year do you think this was? Shoot, I want to just guess. Yeah, was it tied to the release been, of one of the games? Probably, right? I'm I'm, prob- I'm thinking it's probably around 2011 for something. For some okay. reason, I don't know. What was the first year of the expo? It was I want to say it was 2012? No, I think it was before that. It must be before that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this, I, I'm this, just trying to figure out why they put it in the home and garden show instead oh, of at yeah. the expo. Yeah. yeah. And uh, if it was, at, it wouldn't have been at the expo. I think if this was probably in the early days of the expo when it wasn't big enough, the, it wasn't, it wasn't the big Calgary enough, yeah. Comic and Entertainment Expo wasn't big enough for this sort of thing. Yeah. But it was bizarre. Like there was, I guess there was no other venue to do it in Calgary that yeah. actually worked, but I, I loved it. And I wish I could find more information. I wish I could find out who did it and if there's any photos of it online. But, but you could find nothing. Nothing. Mm-hmm. It's almost like it's a dream Maybe you I dreamed had. It, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like one of those things where it just sort of appeared to me and then disappeared. Yeah. And you turned around did after leaving. Did you ask your wife t- about it? No. <laughs> but, maybe it was a dream but it was no, all a dream I'm sure it was a real thing it shared hallucination maybe but uh, she'll remember it for sure but I I loved that promotion and it was actually I remember thinking because I used to do promotions and I thought wow we never did anything this cool yeah that's super cool that's a very very interesting unique promotion I've never heard of anything something quite, quite that involved because they had to build that house they had to yeah make sure people had like they had tea in there. They had to, no, they just they had to organize s- all the consoles and stuff like yeah. that's crazy. Yeah. And, and it was like very, it was very slick. Cause I mean, with, the, I think with the puzzles that they were setting up, it's like, it was almost like it was a special build that only had these three puzzles on it and they would actually set it to the puzzle and give it to you. And you could only play that one puzzle okay. while you drink your tea kind yeah. of thing. It wasn't like they were giving you a full copy of the game. Yeah. 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 So it was, you know, it was well done and I super cool. Yeah. You should leverage some of your like Nintendo contacts and <laughs> yeah. be like, Hey, what, what was this? Yeah. Uh, uh, do you have any of that stuff still sitting around in storage? Because give me that sign or something. Like yeah, that. And then they'll call you and be like, we got it, we got it. And they come to your house and it's the three sets of T's. <laughs> no. <laughs> now, here's the thing is like, if anyone is listening tea. who knows what the hell I'm talking about, please let us contact us and let yeah. us know your experience. Leave so. us a message on uh, Twitter or Facebook yeah. and tell us and see if you have a picture on uh, on an old iPhone or something. Yeah, maybe I was just searching for it wrong because it's hard. I'm like, Professor Layton tea promotion. Yeah, and like, like that's what I'm searching for. Yeah. And I find I found nothing. So. Maybe if you have better Google foo, you can find it. <laughs> and for searching for it in Canada, like 90% of the stuff came up for like Jack Layton, former leader of the. Uh, oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's you not the Professor minus, Layton. Minus Jack. For. Yeah. Yeah. Back anyway. in his teaching days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Onto me now. And uh, the game I selected for this week is Fez, capital F-E-Z. So, um, and the uh, track I picked was the appropriately named Puzzle. <laughs> so I thought there could be no better track. Like you didn't play this game. You didn't know anything about it. You're just looking through music and it's like, yeah. hey, this song's called Puzzle. Song's so let's talk about it. It's the best. It's the best. Yeah. So uh, this was developed by the Polytron Corporation, which is a little company put together just for this game uh, and published by Trapdoor. Same thing. Now defunct, just put together for this game and one other uh, in the year 2012. And the music is by Richard Vreeland, AKA disaster piece who we've talked about on the podcast before. Jordan, I believe yeah, you brought him up. I, I love this guy. And you were talking about, 
Oh, I was talking about uh, Hyperlight Drifter. Um, I talked about Fez before. You also as well. talked about Fez, yeah. And uh, he composed music for. Um, oof! Now I'm gonna forget the name of it. A horror movie that came out about a year or two ago. Yes. Yes. So. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, a pretty, a great composer uh, and prolific, but. Um, we're going to retread some, so for a long time, you know, VGMG listeners, we're going to retread a little ground here because I think you, we were talking today at lunch and you mentioned a lot of the points I'm going to bring up because most of the points, if not all the points I'm going to bring up are from a particular video, which I, I'm going to tell you the title of now um, because I didn't include everything, but it's called Philosophy of Music Designs in Games Dash Fez. So this is a video you can find on YouTube and it's just a disaster piece talking about all the stuff he did in this game. So his three major points at the beginning are the three things he wanted to do with this game or, or they wants to do with a non-linear game um, to create a strong narrative is give the big picture uh, when you can, when there is a linear moment, tell side stories everywhere else and foreshadow where appropriate. So those were his three like design philosophies. Uh, so the only linear parts of this game are the beginning, the very beginning and the very end. Everything else is branching paths. You can go kind of wherever you want. Uh, and so one of the things he did was the very first area in the game that you play, there's a track, there's a piece of music that plays. And if you ever go back to that first area after that very first part of the game, um, all you hear is ambient noise. That track you only hear once. And, uh, but the only time you hear anything like that is at the very end of the game with the only other linear section. So it has like kind of the same motif to tie the beginning and end together. So that's one example of what he did. So, um, what I, before we go into the puzzle track, I'm just going to talk about all the stuff that happens in the puzzle level music. So it's very insane. Like how much <laughs> stuff they put in here. It's just like the, all the little design elements that he was able to incorporate he, are he amazing. Didn't just go along and make music for the game. Yeah. There's like a deeper level. Yeah. Of, they weren't like thinking play there. this level and then like write some music and then we'll put it in. There is there the game and the music are like totally intertwined in every single possible way in this game. Yeah. Oh, like uh, he worked with the game designers like yeah. together to make the different layers. Yeah, yeah. Well, you exactly. talking about it, it actually makes me more interested in it because I own Fez and I played I played several hours of Fez, but yeah. I, I gave up on it. I didn't really like it. And you know what? I didn't beat it either, but after watching this video, I'm going to go beat this game. <laughs> so like, it's very See, that's cool. the thing. I Maybe I need to watch this video because the more you talk about the music, the more yeah. interested I am in the game. Because so, the game the game itself didn't grab me, but I don't remember I don't remember thinking much about the music. Yeah, but I want to go back with and look at it through those eyes. It's well, got exactly. a very, very ambient style to the music. That mm. was what kind of drew me into it because of it helped to create the atmosphere of the game for me. And the mm. thing is about this game is that like this is a very puzzle game. Actually, um, we I should talk just very briefly about what the game is. So uh, what the game is, is you're this little guy and you wear a little fez and you think the world is 2D. And one day you walk out of your house and something happens and all of a sudden you can turn the world and you discover that the world is in 3D, but you're the only person in the game that can do that and then could see that. So you're the only person that understands that the world is actually 3D. You've always, you've forever been living in this 2D plane. Um, am, and am I wrong to say that it was the Fez that gave him that power? I think you're right. I think the Fez like descends okay. on his head. Like a magical Fez. It's like, yeah. yeah. And then, yeah. So classic. classic. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> anyway, so all of the, almost all of the uh, puzzles in this game are based on that mechanic that you can turn, but actually there's going to be some stuff later that I talk about that, goes beyond that but um most of the puzzles are built on 
you know, you look at something at one angle, but when you change it, you know, you're viewing it from a different angle. So maybe a platform was there that wasn't there or a ladder is available to you that wasn't there. So all sorts of stuff like that. And a lot of the games are um, vertically oriented. So you're trying to climb up or down or it's like shifting 2d perspectives in 3d space to line up foreground and background elements to try to, yeah, that's perfect. uh, That's a very good way of saying it. So yeah. So that's what a lot of the puzzles are about. But anyway, um, there are specific puzzle levels in this game. So all the puzzles are about, uh, shifting interlocking elements. And so, uh, the music, he was like, well, the music should be shifting interlocking elements. So there's seven different sounds, all of different lengths. So some are three bars, some are five bars, some are seven bars. Um, and they all interact with each other in like a different and interesting way. So the only reason this was possible was because basically, uh, Richard asked the programmer Renault, like, can you make this for me? And like, or is this possible? Is this the thing we can do? Can we make the music interact with the levels in this way? And uh, he talks about it in here. And I think I have it mentioned later, but like uh, Richard would have all these ideas. Disaster piece would have all these ideas and he'd be like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if, if it could happen like this? And he would call Richard and he'd be like, or he'd call Renault and he'd be like, hello, let me get back to you. And like half an hour later to call him and be like, yeah, it's in there. And you'd be like, ah, oh, great. This is awesome. <laughs> so, so, um, this, this one's really cool. So, um, not only can the music interact with like what's happening in the game, it can also, uh, interact with the time of day and more than just day and night. It can actually, there's actually four times of day. So there's like, um, uh, dawn day, dusk and night. So there's four different times a day and the music changes four times to do that. And, and the way it changes is it goes through different musical modes. So these are musical modes. If you don't know, are, are like scales. So there's like Dorian, Aeolian, uh, Locrian, all these different types of scales. So, um, and then on top of that, each part of the music has its own logic. So you can say to the, like, because it's random and jumping around, you can say like, okay, this, this piece of the music, uh, can repeat anywhere from like, zero to 16 bars and then, but not every four bars or something like that. So it, it really does keep it very random. Um, and one of the things actually, if you go watch this video, he plays the music with all the one thing that like would never happen in the game is he plays the music with all the parts starting at the same time. So you can hear what that's like. And then he plays the music, how you would hear it in the game all random. And it's like, it's like, wow, that is really different. And, (laughs) and so, but here's the best part. So, all the, the ties through the different modes, so the Dorian, Aeolian, Locrian, are tied to the uh, the time of day it is. But every puzzle level is inside. So you can't see the time of day. So you can't, know, like, you, nobody would ever be able to figure that out unless <laughs> they were like, oh, that's a Dorian scale. Like, unless you were like a music, <laughs> a music genius and you were like, Oh, that's what that sounds like. And then you could hear the changes. You'd be like, oh yeah, the time of day is changing outside. So you never see it. So he just did it for the hell of it. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> Which is crazy. <laughs> so that's like just a good example of the craziness. But um, let's listen to the track Puzzle from Fez.
I love this soundtrack. It's definitely not for everybody, but that's what uh, Disasterpiece does. He does this very ambient, melodic, atmospheric, digital, just very calming and strange. Yeah, and he he talked about how like there's only a few tracks in this game that are kind of more high energy. Uh, he they wanted him like his his kind of um, task from the designer. Um, Phil Fish was to make more of a chill laid back music like he didn't he wanted the puzzles to be something like the game and the puzzles to be something where you kind of sat there and had to think about it and if the music was too frantic you would you'd feel too rushed mm. and he's like no it needs to be more kind of laid back and so yeah like you say it's a very ambient sounding <laughs> there was <laughs> like tangerine dream I don't know if anyone knows what I'm talking about but I, actually the thing that Steph said was she thought it sounded a lot like stranger things Oh, yeah, yeah. And I was like, damn, that's a great point. Yeah, well, it does. Yeah. When I say Tangerine Dream, there was a point in time where um, basically Hollywood thought that uh, orchestrated pieces were dinosaurs, right? They were basically becoming yeah. extinct. And the future was synthesized music. And there was well, I think all this, of music went yeah. through that, not just Hollywood. <laughs> and then there was this push for all soundtracks to be start being synthesized. So it yeah. kind of reminds me of things within that era. Yeah. Thank God that we, uh, you know, that wasn't the future after all. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but like you said too, uh, I think you mentioned last time, um, I, I can't remember what you were talking about, but I think it was that horror movie and you were like, it sounds like disaster piece. And then you went and looked it up and it was him. It follows is the name of it. I just remembered. Okay. It, it yeah. Follows. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So yeah. Did it follows. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. And that was exactly it. Is that, um, cause you said it, it reminds you of uh, tangerine dream. Well, mm -hmm. this like, I get a very retro vibe from his music and I yeah. think that's intentional. It's yeah. like a throwback. Yeah. Whether it be the instruments or just the, the atmosphere that it builds in. But that's what I got from it follows was that it felt very old retro and uh, I don't know. Just yeah. And actually the uh, stranger things reference is really good. Yeah. It's is a really good analogy there. Yeah. Um, yeah. The other thing I got to mention is just from watching this video, Richard Vreeland seems like a super cool guy. Like he just seems like he doesn't have any of that. Like, uh, you know, pretentious artist about him. He just seems like a dude who just likes to compose the music. Jonathan Blow. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but he's just like, he just seems so down to earth. Like yeah. he just seems like a guy you'd love to hang out with mm. and just like, take me to your studio and show me cool stuff because like, that's just this type of guy he seems to be. So um, I don't know if I'll go through everything I've written down here, but I wanted to talk about a few other musical, interesting musical things that he did in this game. So uh, one of the levels is a graveyard level. And, um, in, when you're in that level, there's a thunderstorm going on all the time. And so what he wanted was, he was like, he, even though there's like sound effects of like thunder and lightning, he wanted the, uh, music to also be like, kind of like a rainstorm. So again, with the help of the, of the programmer, what he did was he has these random hits and it's like, uh, their chords and it's like if you like slammed a chord on the piano so if mm. you were sitting at a piano and you just wham and jammed it and that's those come randomly just like thunder does and lightning does in a storm and so uh and then in between those are all these just like uh bouncing little notes and it's just it sounds like rain like, and it's oh, just like, on a keyboard and it's all over the, and it sounds so cool and um Another one was there's a level called glitch and it's when you go into this level, it's just like, it's freaking out. Like it would give you a seizure if you had uh, epilepsy. What, epilepsy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but it's all the, um, it's all tiles from other parts of the game 
And it's like you go into this weird world where like uh, it's it's like like breaking apart. Yeah, it's like you need to take out the cartridge and blow on it. Yeah, exactly. It's all messed up. So everything's glitching. And so uh, what he did for that music was he just took music from all the other levels and just glitched it out. And so it's just playing like it'll play like one piece and then another piece. And it's just crazy. It's just like it's just Hmm. random noise. But it's cool. It's really cool. And then the uh, the last one was there's a music level. Uh, There's some music puzzle levels in this game. And so uh, it, the whole the level, the music is synced to uh, 120 beats per minute and all the sound effects fall within 120 beats per minute. So it's either like a quarter of a beat or a full beat or something like that. And uh, it's platforms that appear and disappear on the beat. Mm-hmm. So you have to listen to the music to get to and you're you're climbing upwards. And the cool thing is, as you climb higher, uh, more. Uh, more elements are added to the song. So more, more instruments, instruments will yeah. come in. So that's, that's some more, um, that's some more interesting stuff that happens. And all the other levels have interesting things in them too. I'm just naming a few. So yeah, Fez is a super cool game and, <laughs> yeah. and the music is like totally unique and totally different. And I'm definitely going to go back and play it now. Mm, that's awesome. Thanks and they this, have so. to based on, based on just that description alone. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm glad you talked about it. It's one of my, one of my favorite puzzle games too. That's, Fantastic game. Yeah. And so the the last thing I'm going to say is, and we've talked about this before, this is totally a retread, but um, one of the things, so the whole game is based on puzzles and like Phil Fish is a guy who just loves puzzles and loves throwing in weird stuff. And it's actually, it's really interesting. If you start Googling around, there is stuff in the game that you don't need to solve to beat the game, but is like a, just a weird puzzle in the game that people still have not figured out. Like there's still a subreddit for Fez and people are still posting and being like, this is what I think it is. This is what I think it is. And like some of it actually one. So I'll I'll get into it. So one of the things they decided was they want to put, they wanted to put like hidden images in the spectro in like in the music. So he, he took these, he took these waveforms that make an image when you look at it through a spectrograph and dropped it way down in the music, way below listening level. So you wouldn't see this by just opening it up. Well, you, you couldn't. To... You couldn't hear it. Yeah, is what it is. So it, it exists in the in the file, and like humans can only hear from like uh, uh, what is it? Certain decibels. Hertz. It's sixty hertz from one frequency. Yeah, it, oh no! Sorry, it's uh, from it's like twenty hertz to twenty kilohertz. This is I think okay. our range. So if you drop it below that frequency range, or you drop it in amplitude enough, you'll never hear it. Yeah. But if you look at it through a spectrograph and amplify it, you can see the image. Yeah. So um, they decided to take all these random, well, not random images and drop them into the music, into all the different tracks. And they were like, oh, no one's ever going to find this. This is going to be so cool. And and people have done this before. They were not the first first people to do this. Um, so they drop all these images in and they said six hours after they released the soundtrack, people found the images. They, <laughs> you know, there's somebody the, who was just sitting there well, with a no, spectrograph. Exactly. Like, yeah. And the guy, there's a YouTube video that he plays and the guy's like, I was listening to the fest soundtrack and I'm like, and he had like this, he had this player that had a spectrograph in it and he's like, Hey, what's that? And then he amplifies it and like stretches it. And you're like, Hey, there's an image in here. Yeah. And then he like went through all the tracks and found all the images and, and, and it so, creates a puzzle. Like and, they come together for a puzzle. Well, yeah. So it, all the images form a puzzle. So, yeah. so there's no a puzzle one, literally within the music and yeah. no one has figured out the meaning of the puzzle yet still to this day. Yeah. And if you go on, there's all these, um, there, there's all these subreddit posts saying like, this is what I think it is. And this is what I think it is. And people have all these different theories. And one of the people, one of the most recent posts was somebody posted. Um, 
I think some of these images are just things that like inspired Phil Fish to make this game. They don't actually relate to the puzzle. They're just like some random stuff he threw in there to be misleading. And I think it was Disaster Piece who posted underneath. He's like, yes and no, but I'll say more later. And then he's it's, never replied. <laughs> it's not a red herring. It might lead to something. Yeah. yeah. So oh, man, they're just screwing with people. For yeah, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so but I, yeah, there's all these puzzles in that game that are just and I think it's just things that like it doesn't have a true answer. It's like what it means to fill mm-hmm. kind of thing. So it's interesting. But yeah, th- that that's if you go and play this game, know that there's a whole nother layer of stuff underneath <laughs> that you can get into afterwards. So it's the game doesn't end when you beat the game. The game ends when you go on subreddit and go crazy on subreddits <laughs> and go crazy. So anyway, so yeah, that's it for our picks uh, for this week. And it is time then to talk about the contest and or no sorry it's time to talk about what we've been playing but but that would be me mm-hmm. and uh do some health stuff i haven't actually been able to play games recently so we were talking and <laughs> last time we talked we, about the podcast we talked about this castlevania the, it just it had just coming out on netflix yeah, last, yeah it was last it, week, yeah so. it was gonna it came out the day we recorded last yep. week yep. so you've watched some we, we watched it all yeah and both jordan and i watched it's only four episodes yeah, and somebody said like a hundred minutes total. Yeah, and yeah, it's because it's only about like twenty-two minutes per episode. Yeah, and it was already like almost immediately it was picked up for a second season. So season two will come and with eight episodes. And we so I sat down and all in one sitting watched all four. Yeah. And oh, me too. You did the same. I was kind of surprised at how quickly I got into it because I was not expecting much, and I didn't know what part of Castlevania they were going to draw from. And it turned out for me, they drew from the game I was most familiar with. And I had no idea it was going to be based on Castlevania 3. Which was funny for me because like, I played Castlevania 1, 2, 4, and like a million ones after that. Yeah. 3 was the one that was totally off my radar. So this, even from a Castlevania fan, I didn't know much about 3 going in. So this was new ground for me. But after watching it, I'm like... As soon as the last episode ended, I'm like, I got to play Castlevania 3. Yeah. So I fired that up. And it's, it's a good game. It's like the perfect version of Castlevania 1. And we should add, because Mike, you asked last week, you don't need to know anything about Castlevania 3. As long no, as you, you know do what, not. As long yeah. as you know what Castlevania is about. And it, everybody does. If you're yeah. listening to this podcast, you know what Castlevania is. Well, that's, that's all you need to know to get into the show. Yeah. And I was super surprised at that. At, considering Castlevania 3, it's an NES game. And it has a very limited story. So like there's a little bit of a text crawl at the beginning yeah. and it's got that bad English kind of translation <laughs> where it <laughs> talks about how Dracula is evil and he wanted to turn good things to bad things. Yeah. And it's like very, very like I was laughing at it because it was so goofy and light. But I was surprised after playing the game at how much of the show actually is based on the game. Like things that are happening in the game happen in the show. And I almost thought this Castlevania series was going to be like, hey, this is inspired by Castlevania as a general kind of idea. It doesn't really tie into the games, but it absolutely ties into the game. It's an adaptation of three. Well, when you see the main character, I'm like, oh, here comes one of the Belmonts. Which one is it going to be? And then they said Trevor. And I was like, what? You went with Trevor? I'm like, that's awesome. Of all the Belmonts? I, I, I don't know the whole franchise, but as far as I'm aware, he's one of the first Belmonts. Like he comes before Simon. Mm-hmm. He, so three was supposed to be a prequel in the series. Mm. So maybe they want to start at the beginning. Maybe, I don't know, maybe they'll get to Simon. And here's the basic idea. This is sort of set up in both the prologue of both the game and the uh, show is that the Belmont family, and if you know the Belmonts are the 
um, family of vampire hunters and monster hunters that keep the land safe. They Every time Dracula rises up, the Belmont clan comes to beat him back down. Yeah. Save the and day. Save the day. But they've, the Belmonts have been disgraced. So the people, the people have turned on them because of their association in, with monsters and magic, right? Yeah, yeah. So they're fearful of them, and now the Belmont Even though they're name, the ones that always save the day. Even though they're the ones that save the day. The Belmont Classic name is villagers. now... Well, yeah, if, you exactly. deal, <laughs> if you deal in magic in this time, you get burned at the stake for being a witch. Generally, but for some yeah. reason, this family gets a pass. They're just the outcasts. That's what they think. They have their consecrated vampire killer whip, and that's what they do is hunt monsters. And it's funny that... People are so stupid and superstitious that even they turn on, hey, you, you fight monsters? That's I just said monsters, so you're a witch. You're a witch, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's totally like stupid villager logic, but... So, but did you guys like the series? I did like the series. Like, I... Uh, the way I kind of found it, because four episodes, and it's really just a prologue to the series. It just kind of introduces everything, and then ends at a point where it's like, now we're getting down to business. Yeah, it, that's it. So it's almost so, a cliffhanger. Yeah, in that so way. you like need that next. You need that next. And I thought season. the first episode was really, really cool. Like just the way, because the first episode, and I won't really give much away, in that it sets up who Dracula is. That's and, important. Okay. And, that's and, really and, important. And I gotta say that I was watching this, and I'm cheering for Dracula. Like he, <laughs> he was his, he was characterized in a good way and I really like his motivations. But I felt like they did a good job of making Trevor likable too yes. in a totally different way. Exactly. And though like they had the first episode set up Dracula, the second episode sets up Trevor. And I kind of felt like the second episode was a little slow. I kind of wanted them to You want to go back to Dracula. Yeah. Well, Dracula's where all the action happens. Yeah. Like the, the series well, is the one with really, all the powers. Yeah. <laughs> it's really gory. There's a lot oh, of cool man. stuff. Oh, really? Like there's, Super it's gory. raining blood. There's eyeballs getting whipped out of people's heads. Like there's, there's like some good mothers stuff. Mothers and children being like smashed against. So it's got a little bit of a attack on Titan on it. It, yeah. it, it has a, yeah, that kind of vibe. It's, there's a lot of blood and gore and guts. So. All right. Well, all right. So, uh, because <laughs> we were talking about <laughs> Castlevania on Netflix and Castlevania three, uh, Castlevania three is available for the 3ds. So that is the game that we are going to add to the giveaway along with, uh, Ori in the blind force, which we added last week. And I haven't told these guys about this, but we're also adding all those other games from the last month because, uh, Gordon bird who once said, uh, what did he say? He said, so he either had them or did, couldn't play them. I think. Yeah. Yeah. He said he plays on PC and he already had everything and he doesn't have any, he doesn't have a switch or a three DS. So he couldn't play. He didn't really want of any of those games. So we're adding all those games in. So this is going to be a three game giveaway out of a choice of, <laughs> so way too many games. Get a anyway, pencil, everybody. So yeah, get get yeah. your pen and pencil ready. So we're gonna have Contra Three on the eShop, Bastion, Super Hexagon, Monkey Island Two Special Edition, Blaster Master Zero on the eShop, or Abzu. And now we just added Castlevania Three for the 3DS on the eShop, or Ori in the Blind Forest. So which is PC. So we got got to say like because if you don't have a 3DS or a Nintendo system, we got a yeah. few good uh, PC picks in there like yeah. Monkey Island and, uh, and Castlevania Hexagon. Three was also on the Wii. So if you're one of those people who like only has a Wii, I'll buy it. Can you still buy Wii. on the Wii eShop? I think you can. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I I don't think they closed it. They the the currencies aren't interchangeable, which I figured out because well, I had a gift card it, and that kind of is Castlevania Three not on the uh, Wii U eShop. I don't think so. Hmm. So. I don't see it. Uh, or maybe oh, no, the, no, it is. Sorry, oh, it is. Yeah, it's okay. on the Wii U as well. Maybe, so there it's, you go. maybe it's on the Switch as well. I don't it's kind of, yeah, it looks... Well, no, the Switch, Switch doesn't, doesn't have, have a virtual console yet. yet. Oh, so. yeah. Oh, they're, still, they're still waiting for that. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, 
giant big giveaway. There, uh, I'm going to get really tired of saying all these. So whoever wins better take just them next time. Or, just, or I'm on. just giving them to Aaron because he always retweets. So um, yeah, <laughs> or just take Monkey Island and be happy. So yeah, so that's it for uh, this episode. And uh, oh yeah, I should say to enter into the giveaway. All you have to do is interact with us on Twitter and now Facebook in any which way you choose. We're on Facebook. We're like we're the on future. Facebook. Yeah. We're, we're joining. It's, <laughs> getting we're with partying the like it's 2002. <laughs> anyway, I don't know what Facebook is. Yeah. <laughs> Easier for you to get your, all your grandmas to like our page. That's now. right. Yeah. Yeah. You can send it to your Nana and she can like us too. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. So just uh, give us a retweet, leave us a review. Tell us we're, have terrible taste in music. Tell us we have great taste in music, whatever you feel like. Tell us what we should have picked. Tell us what we should have picked. Yeah. yeah, Give us ideas. Like I said, I'm always open to including listener ideas on the podcast. Uh, But yeah, until next time, keep fit and have fun. (laughs) 